You got 670 the score. It's hit and run right here, you. Cubs pre-game coming up in about 45 minutes. Javier Baez is back in the lineup. He sat last night with that right heel contusion, and he has not been very good um, since the injury has not been himself at the plate, and apparently it was really hurting last night. So uh, I, I hated the fact that he stayed in that game for a couple innings. After he hurt the heel, you remember that on the Sunday night game in D.C. It's like what? What are you? What are you doing this early in the year? But anyway, so it's something that has been lingering and uh, it has been nagging, and it appears to be good enough today to come back and to come back to shortstop. So Javi is hitting cleanup and playing shortstop. Schwarber leads off again. Schwarber, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, Hayward in center today, Addison Russell at second, David Bodie at third, Bryant is playing in right field, and then Cole Hamels is your pitcher. This is your lineup against the right-hander, Adam Wainwright. So uh, left-handed hitters against Wainwright have been much, much better than righties. They've hit six homers in 12 and a third fewer innings than the righties have had. Lefties are destroying him. Here is uh, the slash line for lefties against Wainwright. 327 batting average, 393 on base, 622 slugging. That's an OPS of over one against Adam Wainwright if you are a left-handed hitter. So, but there's no Daniel Descalso. It's just been a very disappointing offensive last, what, five, six weeks for Descalso. It started out pretty well. How many home runs does Tommy LaStella have? 30? Is he at 30 yet? I think he's at like 14. Or I mean, it was 12 last I looked. I don't know. It, it, I, I mix up my Derek Dietrichs and my Tommy LaStella. You know? Just guys, lefty utility guys who all of a sudden have found all the power in the universe. What's fishy about that to you? Is there anything? Is it the ball? Is it something, an added supplement perhaps? No, no, no. Look, the ball, everybody says it's the ball. And if it is the ball, I don't think it's intentional that MLB would do that because it's ridiculous to want more home runs and more exit velocity when that's the way the game is trending anyway and it's been going. But it could very well be some uh, some production malfunctions, uh, you know, some some failures in a in a few a few uh, factories there. Uh, but it, the swings are all juiced, man. You see what Derek Dietrich does? Launch angle. He swings. He's trying for home runs, and he's hitting a lot of them. I, I really haven't checked it into the Listella stuff. I mean, they always liked Listella. I always liked Lestella as as a hitter, but it was just never about the power. Then all of a sudden it is. Well, anyway. So, uh, Kyle Schwarber 0 for 9 in this uh, Cardinals series with three strikeouts. And the Cubs have now lost three series in a row because you lose that game last night. That means you're going to lose two out of three at best. They've lost three series in a row for the first time since that opening 2-7 and seven run. They are four for their last 47 with runners in scoring position. 
and the Cardinals have been given some life, given some confidence. That's the first time they have won a series since April 30th. They were swept into the month of May at Wrigley Field by the Cubs. And if they win today with Wainwright against Hamels, they could sweep the Cubs into June. We're talking about your concerns. We are talking about your feelings in regards to the Cubs and or the White Sox, if you'd like. Phone numbers 312-644-6767. to get to us via text. I wanted to take a moment, though, to tell you about my favorite baseball story of the weekend. Drafted in the same season, 2013, by the Baltimore Orioles, they became best friends. They were teammates on a great double-A team along the way that won a title. I'm talking about Mike Yastrzemski and Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini of the Orioles, Mike Yastrzemski now of the Giants. Drafted in the same year, played together at several different stops, became best friends. Uh, Mancini lived with Yaz, and that is Carl Yastrzemski's grandson. The best grandson I ever saw. I'll tell you what. The best grandson ever called up by the San Francisco Giants in May? Mike Yastrzemski. So Yaz and his wife um, had Trey Mancini live with them in the offseason a couple times. They worked out together. Mancini's been in the bigs for a few years. He had a very nice season in 2017. Little bit of a drop-off last year. But, um, you know, a, a solid established major leaguer on a very, very bad team is Trey Mancini. Mike Yastrzemski was in spring training with the Orioles and given a chance to make the roster. He's a non-roster invitee, but he was terrible. And they sent him down. They ended up trading him to the Giants a few months back. They traded him to San Francisco. And at AAA for the Giants, Mike Yastrzemski had an OPS over one, absolutely tore it up at AAA. And he was called up this past week. He was called up. After 703 games in the minor leagues, seven seasons in the minors, 703 games, 2,600 at-bats in the minors, and he finally gets to the major leagues. And among those watching his debut in the Orioles clubhouse was Trey Mancini, his best friend, watching him make his debut for the Giants in the clubhouse. And Mancini said, quote, it was incredible. It was almost like if I had a brother and he got called up. It was that big of a deal. Mike has worked harder than just about anybody I've ever played with, just grinded it out through the minors, never gave up. He got the ultimate reward for that this weekend. Nobody deserves it more than he does. He has always been a major leaguer in my eyes, and I'm glad that came to fruition this weekend. Pretty cool. So, Trey Mancini, that's him talking about his best friend, Mike Yastrzemski, who debuted last weekend for San Francisco. Well, this weekend, the Giants are in Baltimore. So Mike Yastrzemski comes back, and he's playing against the team that drafted him, the Orioles, and against his best friend, Trey Mancini. And Mike Yastrzemski did this. Who'd have thought Kashner has the lead, and he's facing Mike Yastrzemski here in the second inning. Yastrzemski hits a high drive to right. It is out of here. Welcome home. Well, well, well. How about that? That's Mike Yastrzemski homering against the team that drafted him and in whose organization he played with for seven years. And then later in the game, Trey Mancini came up to bat and did this. 
Trey Mancini's got a base hit and a run scored. Three ball, two strike count on him from Pomerantz. The Orioles trying to get the lead in this ball game. And they're going to. That ball deep left field, way back of the wall. And goodbye, home run. Trey Mancini delivers the long ball. And the Orioles get two. And the Orioles get an 8-6 lead. And Trey Mancini continues to be the clutch hitter that the Orioles have had for the first part of this season. So that's Trey Mancini with a home run. It went right over the head of the Giants' left fielder, Mike Yastrzemski. So, man, I love that. They finally are both in the big leagues together, and they play against each other, and they homer in the same game. And Mancini's goes right over Yastrzemski's head. Absolutely love that. Mike Yastrzemski finally in the big leagues. Good for him. As a texter says, um, Mike Yastrzemski's father played briefly in the White Sox system at the end of a minor league career that never got him to the majors. Yes, I remember that well. He was brought into the Sox organization by Ken Hawk Harrelson as a favor to Yaz Sr. Yes. Yes. Not surprising. Hawk loved Yaz. He loved those 67 Red Sox that he was a part of and a little bit of 68. I believe 68 in Boston was his best year. Ken Hawk Harrelson. 670 the score is where you are. This is just my favorite story from the baseball weekend. As we uh, are bouncing around and taking your phone calls at 312-644-6767. This is Dave in Crown Point. Dave, you're on Hit and Run. Good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. I, I just wanted to make just uh, kind of what we were talking about with Kyle Schwarber. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think that for what they've kind of done with him, having him try different positions that, you know, going to the minors and all that, I think, you know, he's earned a spot with the team. But I, I look at Ian Happ, and I just have to think that he, that guy, he must have kind of a beef because he was so flexible in the field, and his stats were no different than what Kyle Schwarber's has been, but yet he goes down and Schwarber's playing every day. So I just I just have to, you know, put myself in his shoes and think that, you know, kind of like we were saying about Listella, that he never had the opportunity, and now look at what he's doing. So, and then just the other thing I was going to see if you guys could comment, I'll, I'll let you do it while, um, when I'm off the phone, is about Montgomery and the trade rumors with him. Hmm. I, I just, I, I, I can't see why they'd want to get rid of him. I don't know that maybe he doesn't have a, uh, the right spot right now with the team, but he's had some great starts last year, and I'd, I'd hate to see him go. But, I don't, uh, I don't, anyway, thank you, Dave. I, I don't think they want to get rid of Montgomery. Um, I know he's frustrated because he doesn't really have a spot. He's a rover. Sometimes he'll start for you. Sometimes he'll be long relief. Every once in a while, they'll have him come in just to get a couple of outs late in a ball game. They don't have any lefties they can trust. You can't trade Mike Montgomery right now. There are zero lefties that are feeling trustworthy in that bullpen. Zero. I mean, Kyle Ryan has been incredibly bumpy of late. They, they, they can't deal Montgomery. Montgomery does have value for sure. He could be a very solid starter for lots of teams around baseball. Could, you know, he, he could be a solid starter here. They don't need him. They probably will need him for that role come next year. You know, in a post-Hamels universe depending on what they do in free agency at that point. But I don't think you want to – you know, I I certainly would not trade Mike Montgomery. In terms of Schwarber and Hap, they had issues with Hap's approach and not just the results, but 
the way that Hap was going about it and kind of not responding to some certain you know things they were trying to teach and trying to get him to implement. So that's what his stint at AAA is right now is development. That's what he's there for. And it, so and the good news is is that they're not going to bring him up until he's ready. And I don't think that they think he's he's quite ready. Schwarber is is tricky, man. They just have always seen possibility and potential in Schwarber that they've been afraid to let go of in full. He just, and I get it. It is so calm up there, so quiet. His approach, the bat speed is there. It's not like it's some long, big swing. He should be able to make so much more contact than he does. It just, it reeks of possibility when you watch him. It's tantalizing. At some point, should they have moved on? They kept thinking it was going to come. That final little jump was going to come. And it does for people. Remember that in this weird-ass game, sometimes you wait years for somebody to arrive, and they finally do arrive to an extent. And that can be with contact. You do see guys grow into better contact hitters. It does happen. It's just it's it's not happening for Schwarber. It's super-duper frustrating. I get it. But I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know that they're, they're going to be racing to, to get Ian Happ back up here. They just signed Carlos Gonzalez. And I, I got to tell you, in, in Cleveland, Carlos Gonzalez was horrific. Just absolutely awful. 30 games, 117 plate appearances in Cleveland. He hit 210 with a 282 on base percentage, a 276 slugging percentage. Had two homers, he had one double, he had 33 strikeouts in 30 games. That outfield is terrible in Cleveland. And he couldn't make it. He couldn't last. I mean, the people that they're cycling through that outfield in Cleveland, and by in Cleveland, I mean here in Chicago right now as they're playing the White Sox, it's just it's unbelievable from, from, from kids who don't really have a shot to mediocre veterans to glove only center fielders and Carlos Gonzalez couldn't stick out there. Maybe the Cubs can fix him. Maybe they think they can. Maybe he can refine a little bit. Shows you how aggressive they know they need to be for that 25th man, that outfield spot. Cause Ben Zobrist, I do not believe is going to come back. I do not believe he's going to come back. And if they do have assets in the minors, they might need to use those assets to trade for a reliever, not an outfielder, but a reliever. They do need them both. So we'll see if Carlos Gonzalez can can get it done or not. 670 the score is where you are. It's hit and run. I'm Matt Spiegel. This is Adam in Schaumburg. Adam, you're on the score. Good morning or good afternoon, I should say. What's happening? Hey, Matt. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Uh, just hearing all the talk about Schwarber, I think part of his reason is, or for part of the reason he's struggling with runners on and uh, with the strikeouts, I think he's overconfident about his eye at the plate. And I see him at work good at bats, work him to three and two counts, and then take these borderline calls and then complain to the umpires. He needs to understand that with two strikes, even if you have three balls, you need to protect the plate. And he doesn't do that. I see him check swing. Mm -hmm. I see him watching pitches go by the plate and then complaining about the calls. And it's pretty irritating. You just can't do that in the MLB with two strikes. Uh, Umpires aren't perfect. They're going to make some bad calls, but 
and I understand you're going to complain from time to time, but it's becoming, I almost see it every game. Hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty irritating. And then the other thing I wanted to uh, just bring up, just hear what, you, what your thoughts are about it, is um, if you think the Cubs will have any chance of going after Kimbrell after the draft, because I just have a bad feeling he's going to become a Milwaukee Brewer. So uh, thanks, <laughs> thanks for my call. I'll hang up and Thanks, Adam. Yeah, that's that, that. That's a grim thought. If if indeed it's top of the line, Kimbrel that you end up getting. Uh, I mean, Kimbrel might not be ready to go until late June or July, even if you do sign him. But uh, he, you know, and and he had his his troubles towards the end of last year and in the playoffs. I think he made ten appearances in the playoffs and gave up runs in five of them. Five out of ten is not good. Uh, I, 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 there is seemingly more interest than I expected in Craig Kimbrell because Ken Rosenthal doesn't write it if it's not, uh, if it's not coming from organizations themselves. Ken Rosenthal is not a guy who will be pushed around into writing something from an agent's perspective. There are some in the business who are like that. Okay. There are some in the business who do that. And I'm not going to say their names, John Heyman. I will not say that. But sometimes those guys are, are, are pawns for specific agents. But I won't say those names, Scott Boris, either. I don't want to do that. But when Kenny writes it, you can, you can bet that it's from a team. So, yeah, Cubs interest in Kimbrell, um, it is there a bit more. And part of that is because of the newfound financial flexibility that Zobris not returning may indeed bring. In terms of Schwarber and the stubbornness on the eye, yeah, they've always loved his patience and his willingness to accept his walks. And it's good. But if you have not achieved a certain level of success, sometimes you don't get the respect from umpires that you expect to get. Sometimes it just doesn't come. And you have to swing and just show you can mash for a while. So he probably is getting too picky and too selective with two strikes. I understand the frustration. 670, the score is where you are. Got some phone lines open for you on Hit and Run, 312-644-6767. We'll also take some of your texts at 67011. We'll talk about something very good with the Cubs and why it's been happening when we come back as well. It is 670, the score. Six dig the long ball. The next offering swung on, hit in the air, deep left field. Back goes the left fielder Fisher near the wall, at the wall. That ball is going to be... Gone for a home run. Opposite field, leadoff home run, Kyle Schwarber. Cubs lead one to nothing. That's a Kyle Schwarber home run from the other night, as you heard it right here on 670 The Score and the Cubs Radio Network. Cubs pregame with Zach Zaidman coming up. At 12.45 or so, maybe even a little earlier, 12.40, I will be back in that booth this week. Looking forward to it very much, doing pregame and postgame for the Cubs Radio Network on Tuesday and Wednesday. Pat Hughes is off for a couple of days. Zach will step in and do play-by-play, and I will step in for Zach and do pre and post. That is a fun and crazy gig. If I could uh, describe the the frenetic pace of post game as as a host, if I could describe that for you with a sound, it would be this. It's just freaking madness, people. So anytime you hear a post game show and somebody's making it sound comfortable, like Zach does, 
or vaguely comfortable like I might this week, just know that inside it feels like the bottom of the hour is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. Nothing beats championship hockey and your Chicago Wolves are up one nothing in the Calder Cup finals. The Wolves host Charlotte next week at Allstate Arena. Enjoy free parking courtesy of Kia. For playoff information, visit ChicagoWolves.com. Make sure you are following Joe Ostrowski on Twitter. He has everything that you need to know about where things stand in terms of uh, the uh, the Senate uh, convening again at 3 p.m. to argue about the state legalizing gambling. Joe 0670 is who you want to find. We had a conversation earlier where we focused on some of the baseball implications of it that are really, really fascinating and either exhilarating or frightening or both. I, I think I have to admit to feeling that mix of exhilaration and terror at the effect that legalized gambling will have on baseball. Found out during that conversation uh, via a source that the, the MLB gaming platform that is currently being set up will allow for gambling up until the pitcher toes the rubber on every single pitch. You will be able to gamble on every single pitch pitch the outcome of a single pitch and then betting closes when the pitcher toes the rubber unbelievable so in a pitch clock area you're talking about what 20 25 seconds and that's just fine what are you gonna bet on and this that we talked to somebody talked to a, a listener who's a, a big cricket fan and a, a soccer fan and has talked about you know some of the the personal gambling scandals that have taken place as guys have absolutely influenced things in terms of every pitch in a cricket match. Every pitch is bet upon. And the big money guys aren't the ones who fall prey to that, but it's, you know, bullpen guy making the, making the minimum. Who knows what they're going to do. Speaking of bullpen guys making the minimum, speaking of the Cubs bullpen, Saw Tony Andracki from NBC Sports Chicago had this stat. Remember when Kyle Ryan pitched in that loss to the Marlins and he had his moment of panic there um, in, on, on the ball that was hit back to him on the mound? Since that game, Kyle Ryan has allowed 12 hits and eight runs in seven innings out of the Cubs' bullpen. He's given up runs in six of his 13 appearances in that span. Six out of 13 runs charged to him. These are not even potentially inherited runners that he is allowed to score. No, no, no. He's given up runs himself in six of 13 appearances. Brutal. You cannot, cannot, cannot trade Mike Montgomery. Bottom of the hour is brought to you by Icon Building Group. Attention Lake County home buyers. Saturday, June 1st and Sunday, June 2nd, tour the beautiful new custom homes of Riviera Estates. Located in Greg's Landing and Vernon Hills, Riviera Estates is the perfect opportunity to build your custom home. Search icon-group.com for all the details. That's icon-group.com. Time for a few more of your phone calls right here on Hit and Run. This is Dennis in Downers Grove on 670 The Score. What's up, Dennis? Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted you to comment after I say that I wonder about this unbalanced schedule in baseball. Um, you know, I know this 
doesn't sound sounds wrong to the Sox, but I personally feel whoever finishes last in the Cubs division would probably finish second in the Sox division. Cleveland lost 12 players. They're no longer what they were. You play each team in your division 19 times. Minnesota could very well finish with the best record in the American League, and that would be the reason. And don't you think the scheduling should be changed? Thank you. Thanks for the call, Dennis. And you know a guy's a big fan of the show, and he addresses a solo host as guys. Um, But, Dennis, here's the thing. No, I don't, actually. I like that you play the teams in your division that much. I do. Winning the division is hugely important. Being a wild card is not something you want to happen and end up in that uh, in that coin flip game. So no, I, I I I I'm fine with that. I like I think it it really hammers the rivalries home. You know, I, I thought every time the Cubs and Brewers played last year, and every time they play this year, it feels huge, huge. I enjoy that. And now every time the Cubs and Cardinals play, it's going to feel huge again, especially now that the Cubs have given the Cardinals some life and some confidence with a couple of losses down there in St. Louis to start. So, no, I disagree. This is Riles in Gridley on the score. What's up, Riles? How you doing? Hey, Spakes. Doing good. Um, I wanted to address what uh, Madden said about uh, the guys needing to have a B-hack. Yes. Talking about Rizzo. Yep. Rizzo is a really good batter. And if uh, – Schwarber in spring training training in the beginning of the year, he was taking the ball to left really well. If he does that, I think he'll have a higher average. Um, you look at Carpenter on the Redbirds, and last year he was hotter than a firecracker, and nobody could get him out. But when he's slumping, he needs he's, – he's a good enough athlete where he should be able to take it to left field, take it to the opposite field, mm-hmm. and all of these guys are. It, it does bother me. Uh, watching baseball now, which has become either home run, walk, or strikeout. Yeah, no, it, the it's, ball. Put the ball in play. It's not. It's not super entertaining sometimes, and it also can be very, very frustrating when the homers don't come, as they're as, as they're not really coming. Uh, you know, of consequence right now. Homers of consequence for the Cubs. They've scored a lot of runs off home runs, a big percentage of their home runs, but they're oftentimes solo jobs, which don't do a whole lot for you because guys are not getting on, guys are not getting moved over, you're not having a, a lot of rallies. And Madden was angry about this last night. And the, the problem is the length of the season, the exhausting nature of the daily grind of the season is that the same message has to be hammered home Again and again and again, you must find ways to get the message across, and then guys must try to execute. And then as you discern what the failure is, is it a failure of execution, is it a failure of approach, or was there no failure at all and they just hit the ball hard right at somebody? We discussed some of that in the first hour. Jason Benetti was the guest co-host this morning, and that was really, really fun. Check it out in hour one. Our Zach Withers is setting up the podcast right now. So check out Jason Benetti. That was a really interesting conversation because he's a fascinating guy. Um, Then we had Jack McMullen on. Thank you to him for talking some draft and some Cape Cod League. Thank you to Chris Kampka. Thank you to the aforementioned Zach Withers. Thank you to Mike Chen for helping to produce in these final few moments. Have a great day, everybody. I'll be doing pre and post 
uh, over at Wrigley on Tuesday and Wednesday. So talk to you then from the Cubs radio booth. Now it's time for Cubs baseball and Zach Zabin doing pregame. Have a great day. It's Matt Spiegel on 670 The Score. Thank you very much. Arigato. Merci beaucoup. Shane Shane. Gracias.